Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, get your Bibles out. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. I'm really wrapping up the series today. I I thought maybe I'd carry it on one more week. It may be one more week, but it won't be one more week by me. Uh, Saturday morning in prayer as I was... uh, sitting right there on the front row where I sit. My, actually, right before it started, my mom walked up and she said, and she just walked up and said, hi. And I said, hey, mom, I said, I, I feel like you have something to not say, but to pray. And she said, I, I might. And I said, okay. So uh, I said, let me give you the microphone when it's time to pray. And she said, well, you don't have to. And I said, no, I'm taking the hint right now. And, uh, <laughs> and here's what I know. I know I'm the pastor, but she's mom. And so I was like, mom, if you want the microphone, then you get the microphone. Uh, as a co-founder, her and my dad of the church, you know, that heart that God put that seed before anything in Tree Life ever existed in her heart. So I love hearing from the matriarch, if you will, that carried and helped birth that vision that is Tree of Life. And we celebrate that and live that out today. And when she was up here praying on Saturday morning, I just really felt the Lord dropped in my heart that, that God had a word, not just for that time of prayer, a word for the house. And so um, I've asked her if she would speak next Sunday. And so I said, Mom, I said, you want to, would you, I just feel when you were praying, I just felt the Lord just dropped in my heart that you're supposed to share next Sunday. And uh, she said, okay. And I said, well, do you want to pray about it? And she says, no, you I don't have to pray about it. I already, I already know. And so I want to invite you guys out, especially next week. Next week, you'll get to hear from co-founder of my mom, Karen Duncan Flanagan. She's going to bring the word, I believe, God dropped in her heart for all of us. And so I want to invite you out, invite a friend, send the link, get ready for next Sunday. But today, I want to wrap up the series we've been in called uh, Eyes Wide Open. We're going into 2021, Eyes Wide Open. And I mean, our spiritual eyes. We want to, we want to see God at work. We want, want to miss what he's doing. 2020 may have taken us by surprise, maybe a little bit, um, caught us off guard somewhat, but let's Let's go into 2021 with eyes wide open. And we're talking about the reality of the spiritual and the natural. And so uh, we can easily see looking back, looking on to today, this, these past few days even, turning on the news or just around you that there's a lot of things happening in the spirit realm. I don't want to be spooky, goofy or whatever, and it's not. I know it's received that way sometimes. And I think the enemy wants you to see it that way because he doesn't want you to engage spiritually where the real battle is. And so he keeps us kind of at bay, if you will, because we're unwilling to engage in some spiritual warfare. It just kind of seems like it has a, a kind of a bad meaning to it. It really doesn't. I think people have taken it that place, and the enemy has kind of stirred it up a little bit, so people don't engage spiritually. But that's where the real battle is. We've been studying that the last few weeks, and that's where we keep our eyes wide open in the spirit realm, what's happening around about us. And not just from a negative standpoint, like the assignment of the enemy, but from a positive standpoint, like the assignment of the angelic host, God's plan and purpose for our life. And so he's at work behind the scenes all the time, and we need to be able to see what he's doing behind the scenes, if you will, spiritually. And so Ephesians 6.10, Paul gives us a big picture of spiritual warfare and how to win the battle spiritually. We have to address the thing spiritually first. Everything we see manifest in the natural has a spiritual root. And so you have to go to the root to really find the answer. Um, but typically we tend to focus on the natural of the things that are seen. We don't really address what's really happening. So we're, t- we're learning how to get to the root of things here. So this is kind of a wrap up. Let's take a look at Ephesians six ten through 18, and then we'll jump off into the topic today. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's a good word right there. 
put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's a real enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, in the heavenly places, the spiritual realm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We talked about the days being evil, if you will. And having done all to stand... Stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. We talked about that's the key, putting on the armor. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So you have those in your live notes. We've looked at that passage, I think, every week in the series so far. We, we started that way. And I want to look at something here uh, in our last installment, if you will. Uh, but let me start by saying this. Paul's admonishing us, encouraging us to stand firm. And he's basically saying, stand firm in the victory that's already been won by Jesus. He's not saying trying to fight from a place to try and obtain victory. You try and fight from a place of victory because Jesus, because when he went to the cross and was crucified to pay the price of the penalty of sin for you and I, then the Bible says he went to hell to take the keys to death, hell, and the grave and came out in resurrection power. He's already won the spiritual battle. He's already overcome all that. Come on. And so what you and I are trying to do is to stand firm in the victory he's already won. Take our place Hold the ground he's already won for you and I and stand in that place. In order to do that, there's some things Paul says that we need to do. And so we need to make sure that we're not fighting for victory. Understand, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. So he tells us how to dress for success, if you will, spiritually. And so he talks about the the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. He says the sword of the spirit. He says to take. That verb take means to pick up or pick up as needed. There are times that you need to pick up the sword of the spirit. There's times. What do those times look like? The evil day. He said that in that passage. When it looks like all hell has camped out in your front yard, right? Hell's in your face everywhere you turn. It just feels like there's those days where nothing goes right. And it seems like he's just, the enemy is just relentless. Paul says that's when you need to pick up the sword of the spirit. He says, I want, to pick you, want you to pick up the sword of the spirit. Now, this is important because this, if you notice, is the only offensive piece of weaponry in the arsenal. It's the only offensive piece of weaponry in the arsenal. Everything else is to keep you steady from what the enemy wants to do in the evil day. Wants to, wants to help you stand firm from what the enemy wants to do in the evil day. So now he's put a weapon in your hand. Now he's likened it unto a sword and he's reminded, uh, reminding the people that day, he's looking at the, the picture around about him of the Roman soldiers and Roman occupation. So real quick, there's two swords that a Roman soldier would use. One is a long sword and it was that you would kind of fight at a distance. It was to hurt. It was to keep away the enemy, if you will. That's not the sword he's talking about. I'll talk about that in a moment. He's talking about the sword, which is 18 inches long, and it's a short sword. It's like a long dagger, and it was used for up-close fighting. If the enemy got past your long sword and got up in your face, then you would draw the short sword. You would draw the dagger 18 inches long, and that was used for the death blow. So get the picture here. You're in a battle, a real battle. The enemy is after you. The enemy doesn't want you to fulfill anything God has for you, and so he's trying to get up in your face to intimidate you. You need to keep your 
your feet in the place of victory and stand there, but you need to fight back against the enemy. And he's given you a weapon for the kill shot. I don't want to be graphic or whatever today, but he's given you a weapon for that enemy. He's in your face. He's up close. He's not just to put him away, it's to put him down. We'll talk about that in a moment. What does that look like? Now, why are we talking about it? I was just like, wow, this is church, Pastor Don. I came to be motivated and inspired. Can I tell you, I believe that you will be. The truth always brings us hope and inspires us, amen? It helps us understand how we obtain victory over the battle we're really fighting. But I'm here not just to entertain you. I'm not here just to give you a spiritual pep rally. I want to educate you and empower you so you can win in the evil day, amen? And so I want you to lock in with me because I'm, I'm going to do my best not to get all preachy and shouty. I'm, I'm trying not to. And I, I want to really teach you. I want to dig into a little bit of a teaching this morning because I want to equip you because the fight is real. The battle's real. You're fighting for your marriages. You're fighting for your families. You're fighting for your, your, your control of your, of your mind from fear and from worry and anxiety and mental health and all kinds of things. There's a real battle going on. And Paul gives us the tools on how to come out victorious or to stand in the victory that's already been given you and I. Now, he said it was the sword of the spirit. He said it is the tool of the spirit, if you will, or the tool that the spirit uses. It's the tool to use in a spiritual battle. Understand the most important thing is it's the only tool he has. I don't know if you understand that, all right, but what about, well, what about prayer? Prayer is a tool. Yeah, what's we're going to talk about? Guess what? talks about all kinds of other things. Well, guess what that's all wrapped up in? It's wrapped up in this spiritual weapon. It's wrapped up in this spiritual tool. It's the only tool he has. No other tool, no other weapon, no other way. It's the most important thing. It is the spirit's offensive weapon. It is a weapon used in the spirit realm. It is a weapon used in the invisible world to, to fight what's attacking you in the visible world. It's the sword of the spirit. It's what the spirit uses to deal with what's attacking you. Now, if you don't believe... If you don't believe that, then you won't use it. And again, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is to get us to focus on the natural fight. That's where the fight is. It's in the natural. So we won't go and attack him, if you will, or fight him spiritually because he's already lost spiritually. And if we'll take our position of authority and victory and we fight from that position, he cannot stand that. He cannot stand against that. But if he can keep you from going there, then you are no harm to him. You are no threat to him. So I just want to give you the truth of the word today. What we need to understand is what this passage says again. We can't use our natural means or methodology to fight a spiritual battle. And that's where we find ourselves frustrated. Where are you, God? We're doing all these kind of things in the natural. And God's like, I'm right here. I'm waiting for you to use the right tool. Use the weapon I gave you. I've already won the the victory spiritually. And I need you to use the weaponry and things that I've given you. So I'll intervene now on your behalf. So when you choose to use a man-made method against a spiritually derived cause, you don't have spiritual support. I mean, that's just a flat truth. If you're trying to fight it naturally, you don't have spiritual support and you need spiritual support. God is a spirit. We don't need to go on all that. You want to go back and watch the series if you haven't yet to kind of give you some context to where we are today. So in the spiritual realm, the only tool that the Spirit of God uses is this sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He says it's the sword of the Spirit of God. It's what you'll use in the evil day. It's the only tool in your arsenal, maybe because it's the only one you'll need. If you'll learn this one, that's huge because it's the only one you need. It's the only one there is. So he says the sword of the word of God, it belongs to the spirit and it's put in your hand to use. The sword is the word of God. Okay, now I need you to really lock in here. You can get on your live notes, whatever. Um, But I want to teach you something that I learned about the word of God being the sword of, of the spirit. 
And you need to understand it because you need to know how to use it and walk in it. So I'm going to get a little teach you right now, but don't check out on me. You need to learn this. I want to teach it to you as I learned it. There are three words for the word of God. Three words for the word of God. The first one is graphe. Graphe. Come on, we're going to go on a little Greek study right here for a minute. Graphe. Graphe is the first word for the word of God, and it means the writings or the book. This Bible is the graphe. In this Bible are the writings of God. It is the graphe. Is it the Bible? Is it the word of God? Yes, in written form, but that's all it is. I don't mean disrespect there, but you'll understand when I explain it. This is the graphe. That is the word of God. The scripture, the writings of this book, it is the word of God in written form. Whether it's sitting on your shelf at home, (laughs) whether it's on your coffee table, whether it's in your car, on your floorboard, Whether you carried it in your hand today into this building, this is the written word of God. It is the graphe, the word of God in written form. So Paul says, God gives you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, but the Greek word is not graphe. He's not talking about just the written word that you carry around in a Bible. In other words, sometimes people carry around the Bible just thinking it makes them look holy. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you put this in your car, it doesn't protect your car. It's the writings of God. Right. I think if it was a little smaller, I got my big one. It's my favorite study Bible. People wear it around their neck. Right. Kind of like how we wear the cross or something or we hang it from your rearview mirror. Right. You put it on your coffee table. It doesn't make your living room holy. It is the written word of God. It contains the writings. That's not the word Paul's using right here. That's not the sword, the word of God. He's not using the graphe. It's the, it's the Bible, it's the word of God, but it's not what the spirit is using. And then there's the logos. The logos is the word of God. Logos goes further than graphe. Logos, uh, graphe is the word written. Logos is the message of the book. It's the message of the content. It's what it means. This is the graphe, it's the written word. But then if you read the written word or listen to the word of God and you understand something about the word of God, you get the message or you get the meaning. That's the logos. It's the logos, it's the meaning of the written word. It is the word of God, but it's the meaning of the written word. Logos means message of the writings or the message of the books. When you come to church and you hear a sermon preach and you understand what the passage says, You've just experienced the logos. Oh, I get it now. Oh my goodness, that makes sense to me. I understand that now. That's the logos. That's the message. You get the message of the graphe or of the book. The content has been explained and now you understand. Logos is very powerful. Logos is very powerful. The message of of God is the logos to you and I. This is God talking to us. There's the writings that is graphe, and then there's a message of what God's trying to say. It is very powerful. It is very powerful. The logos is powerful. Graphe is God talking, but it's just in written form. Logos is the message. I'm going to keep after this so you really get it because we're working towards something. Logos is the message given from the graphe written. Logos is the message given from the book written. Graphe is the book, the book, and logos is the message. Now, logos, the message is living. This message is powerful, but that's not the word used in verse 17. He does not say the sword of the spirit, which is the graphe, the written word of God. He does not say the sword of the spirit, which is the logos, the message of God. He says the sword of the spirit, which is, here's our third word for word, the rhema of God. 
he uses the Greek word rhema. Rhema is the spoken word of God or declared word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God or the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken or declared word of God. Paul is saying your offensive weapon in your arsenal, the only one he's given you because it's the only one you need is the spoken declared word of God. Amen. So the battle that we're fighting from a place of victory already, when the enemy comes to press and get in your face, he says you pull out the spoken or declared word of God. And that's what we have to understand because a lot of us are walking around thinking this is it, just carrying this around. I got my Bible, I'm good. No, you're not. You have the opportunity to be good, if you will. Well, I just heard this great message today and stuff. That's great. What are you going to do with it now? Because it's not the offensive weapon if you just have it in your hand, the writings of it, or if you just contain it and and just keep it to yourself until you speak it, that's when it becomes the offensive weapon that the devil fears. We need to walk around speaking the word of God, not just carrying it, not just carrying on the inside, but getting it out of our mouth. That's the offensive weapon that the devil fears. The spoken word of God. It's the declaration of the logos that you got from the graphe. That's what Paul says is the weapon in our arsenal. It's speaking or declaring the message from the book. And so when you guys came in, I hope that you picked it up. Or if you didn't, there's a, it's like a scanner thing. Like if you go to a restaurant and you scan it with your picture thing, it gets on, you know, gets on your phone. I don't know how that works, but they did it and created it so you can go scan it and get on your phone. But that's why when you came in today, there's a prayer guide and it had a couple of different topics. Like I said, six different topics and a few verses of scripture for each. Just real simple, real basic. We talked about that last week. But I want to encourage you guys. What did we do? We gave you the opportunity to understand the rhema. Speak out the word of God. When you come in a situation in your life, the enemy's pressing you in your marriage. He's pressing you in your family. He's pressing you in your job or your finances, your health, your fear, your mind. He's pressing on you. The Bible says that you get out the graphe, you open it up and read the writings, if you will, on the book, and then you come to this place of understanding what the message is trying to say, and you get the logos, and then you pull out the rhema and let the word of God come out of your mouth. It's an offensive weapon that the devil can't stand before. So you need this. So this is real simple, real basic for you, but we want to try and help you. But you need to go and find some for yourself and, and apply it to every area of your life. So the spoken message. And let me say it this way. I was going through and finding my, my Bibles, and I got different Bibles, and I, I wanted to bring this one. This is probably my most, the one I value the most. My dad gave it to me before I went to Bible school and have all my notes and all this, and it's pretty worn. I probably found 20 Bibles in my study at home, and there's probably a few more here at the church. I found Bibles. I got Bibles in Hindi from India from our travels. I got Bibles in Chinese from our time in uh, China and Mandarin. I have Bibles in uh, Vietnamese. I have Bibles in Spanish. I have Bibles in a few other uh, languages that, because I can't read the cover, I don't know what language that is or whatever. I don't know, but it looks great, right? I got probably 20 Bibles in my office at home, but that doesn't mean I have 20 swords. I mean, I could own a factory making Bibles. I could have a whole factory shipping Bibles all over the world, but that doesn't mean I have one sword. Because what Paul says, it's not the sword until you pull it out and speak it out. And you declare it in your situation. You declare it in the face of the enemy attacking you on whatever area. That's when it becomes the sword of the spirit. Your offensive weapon. He says, the sword of the spirit uses the rhema of God. 
It is, so it's the graphe of the book that gives you the logos of the message, but it's the rhema that is thrust in and draws blood from the enemy. It's the rhema that is your offensive weapon. So I want you to understand that today. It's the rhema, let me say it this way, it's the rhema that the spirit uses. I mean, there's all kinds of things coming out of us, but it's the rhema that the spirit uses. We're throwing all kinds, hey, use this, hey, try this. He's like, nope, doesn't work. I need that rhema to come out of you. Many of us are not seeing the power of the spirit because we haven't used the rhema. We're stuck at the graphe where it's just a book or we're, we're, we're just holding on to that content, that logos. We understand something, but we're not implying it. We're not using it. When it comes to spiritual warfare and the enemy's all up in your face, you need more than the graphe and the logos. You need the rhema. You need the logos from the graphe spoken and declared. You need the message of the book declared so here's the question then. Okay, so why do we want to rhema the logos? Why do we want to speak the message? And it's because the nature of the message. You have to get the nature of the message out. So look at Hebrews 4.12 for me. Look at Hebrews 4.12 for me. We have to understand why we need to speak or rhema the logos of the message. It's because of the nature of the message. For the word of God is living. There we go. That's a good start, right? We're talking about the logos of the message. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner or judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, it is, a sharper, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. The logos is alive and powerful. It's not only alive, but it has the power behind it to fulfill it. It is powerful. Now, look at what it says about the alive and powerful active logos. It says that it's alive and powerful and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the decision of soul and spirit. Now, wait a minute. I thought rhema, the rhema was the weapon. It is. But look at what it says. The logos is living and powerful and divides between that which is soul and that which is spirit in you. Understand that the logos, the power of the logos is to divide that which is soul and spirit in you. We all have a spirit or the spirit of God in us that wants to do one thing and we all have our own soul, our own emotions, our own experiences, our own will, our own opinions, our own perspective that wants to do another thing. So what the logos does when you get into the word, the graphe, and you read it or you hear it, when you begin to understand because the logos is sharp enough to divide between you and God. In other words, what the logos does is get you out of God's way. You want to fight the fight to win? You got to get out of God's way. And the Logos reveals the truth of God's way or God's word. Because here's what we want to do. We want to take the graphe and find something and we want to use it the way we want to use it. <laughs> oh, come on. It should get quiet right there, honestly. I was thinking about that. Whoa. I, okay, I, I don't like to talk like this, but I'm going to go there for a minute because I think it's important. I, I see so many Christians acting in a way that's not in line with the Bible. I mean, saying things and treating people certain ways and, and stuff like that and all in the name of God or the Bible. And I'm like, are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? Because if you're in the logos, it's going to reveal what's you and what's God. So quit saying what's you is God. If it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, I, tell, I walk around and say, yep, you're in the graphe, 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 logos. Hey, great job. That's it. That was a tough call right there, but good job. You went, 
right? You went with God right there. No, 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 you're, you're not in the logos, buddy. The Bible doesn't say treat people that way or act that way. What does it do? The logos divides you from God. It gets you out of the way so you have the tool that God intended. You can't take it to mean what you want it to mean. God wrote it right the first time. You want it to be active and powerful and alive and a rhema, then you have to use it and speak it the way God intended. Quit using the Bible for your own gains, wants, and opinions and desires. There's only one way it can be used. And people are out there swinging their, their Bible thinking it's a sword and it's not. It's nothing but a graphe. It doesn't have the power because it's not the logos has it come in and separated you from God in that scripture, that passage of word. That's where the power comes from. It's alive and powerful. I think we have to get a revelation of that. I, I, I question myself sometimes. I, I gotta make sure that I'm spending more time in, in different things and making sure it's not my opinion, my perspective, but it's God's, because it's God's that, that, that works. It's, a God, it's God's perspective and, and word that, that has power. It's, it's his word that works. It's quit trying to make the Bible fit what you want. When you get into the logos, it cuts you out of the way. That's why it's sharp. It, it slices you out of the way. It's slicing and dicing. We need some of that because we have inter, intertwined our own uh, opinions and wants and desires with God's word. And so the logos has to come in and say, no, that's not, you know, I know you believe that your whole life, but no, that's not true. You've been believing it not true. And here's what it really means. It's important. It's the power of the logos. In other words, the logos reveals what's you and what is God. And many times it's it's, it's cutting you away or getting you out of the way of God, if you will. And, and I think it's so important today that we get back to the logos of God's word. I mean, if we're really Christians, then let's act like the Bible says to act. Let's speak like the Bible says to speak. Okay, so when you come with graphe and you open it up and you hear and understand the message of the logos and it's revealed to you which is God and which is you, then you're ready to use the rhema or the sword to declare what is God and to use it in your day of evil, your evil day. Okay, so the graphe is the writings, what's been written. The logos is the message of what's been written. And the rhema is the use of the message. It's the proper use. So when you pull out your rhema and you declare the logos, you now have something the spirit can use. In fact, it's what he's been waiting for. Look at Genesis 1, 1 through 3 for me. Here's what it says in the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now listen to this next sentence. And the Spirit of God was hovering. He was there. He's just hovering. He's like waiting. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm hovering. I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm just waiting. I'm hanging out over the face of the waters. Verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And what did it do? The hovering Spirit went into action and made light. What was he waiting for? The spoken word. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for God to speak the word. Well, he's just hovering. I'm here hanging out, God. I'm here when you need me. I'm right here. No worries. I got it. I'm right here. And as soon as the spoken word comes out, boom, he's there to perform it. So we got to pull out the rhema in our times when the enemy's in our face and we got to get the word of God through the logos, separate what's you and what's God. And we got to speak that into our situation because the Holy Spirit's waiting for you to give him something to use. 
I'm just waiting on you, Don. I'm right here, man. I'm hovering. I'm hovering. I'm over here. I'm right over here. I'm ready to do it. Give me something to use. Come on, man. I'm here with you. The enemy's in your face. I'm waiting. Come on. Just give me the word. Give me the logos. Give me the logos. Get that graphe out, Don. Get the graphe out. Get some logos going in there. And then pull out the rhema. I'm right here and I'm ready. Let's go. That's what he's talking about there. Give him something to use. See, it wasn't God knows everything. It wasn't what just God knew. It's what he spoke. See, the Holy Spirit didn't move till it was spoken. So the rhema came out. The spoken word came out. It didn't happen until he spoke it. God didn't just think. God could think, and there it was. God could snap. God could blink. (laughs) He could clap. Whatever he wanted to do, but he declared it. There was power in the word that was used, not just the word that was known, but God, and because God knows all, the power is in what he spoke. The spoken word had in it the power to produce. The spoken word has in it the power to produce what the spoken word called for. The spirit was hovering, ready to move, went into action once the word was spoken. Give the spirit what he needs to pull it off. Speak it out. Because he's there waiting. He's waiting for the rhema. See, he's like, I can't do anything until you say something. Because when you say something, you give me what I need to make it happen. See, the enemy doesn't want you to, the enemy doesn't want you taking graphe, the book, getting logos from it, the message, and then using the rhema because it cuts him. The enemy's going to do everything he can for you just to see it as the graphe and carry it around. It's like when we go into a court of law. I've not been in a court of law. I don't know if I watch TV. <laughs> and they go in and say, come up to the witness stand. Put your hand on the Bible. You know what they're doing? They're putting their hand on the graphe. Why? Because they don't even know the message. I promise to tell the truth. Why? Because this is a book. I don't know. It's what we do. It's just a book. But the enemies want you to think it's just a graphe. The enemies want you just to contain the, contain the logos within yourself. It's okay. You think what you want to think. But then he wants you to hear what everybody else is saying about it because he doesn't want you speaking it out. He wants you saying, he, he, I mean, he wants you saying what, you know what he wants you to say? He wants you to say what everybody else is saying. And he wants you to say what your mom and dad told you, and it may be truth, it may not. He wants you to say what your friends have been telling you about your situation, what they think, like they're experts. He wants you listening to Fox News or CNN and saying what they're saying. He, he wants you to get on and, and say what Hollywood is saying. He wants you to say what all the superstars and sports stars are saying, because they know all, right? He wants you to say what, you know, what everything else, what you're feeling. He wants you to say all that. Why does he want you to say all that? Because there's no power there. There's no power when you say what the world says, what everybody else says. The power is when you take the graphe and you read it and you find a word and it brings life to you and understanding to you and then it comes out of your mouth and that's what he fears. He doesn't care. He'll sit down and hang out with you all day if you're saying what everybody else is saying. He's not afraid of that. Why should he be? There's no power in that. He knows there's no power. He knows the sword is dull. He knows when the spirit's not in it. But when you go rhema on him, when you take the logos and go rhema on him, he's scared. He knows he's fixing to get cut. So he doesn't hang around. Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit. It is the word of God. It is the rhema of God. It's speaking the speaking of the message that you got from the book. It's the rhema of the logos that you got from the graphe. And when you use the book and take the message and declare it, the enemy in your face cannot handle it. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, real quick. 
I probably just won't read it. I'll probably paraphrase it for you. It's when Jesus is stepping out into his ministry on the earth. He just had gotten water baptized. The heavens opened up. A dove ascended. The Holy Spirit ascended like a dove. A voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus immediately goes out in the wilderness to be tested. And he's fasting for 40 days. Aren't you glad we only do 21? He's fasting for 40 days. And he's out in the wilderness. And the enemy does come and and tempt him. And the Bible says in in verse 1, he says this. And Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Why wouldn't he be? Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. He found him where he was weak, and he tried to tempt him. He's going to find your weakness and come at you there. And so he comes at him in his hunger, and he tempts him and says, command these stones be turned to bread. But then he look at what Jesus did. Jesus says this, it is written. What is he doing now? He's got the, he's got the logos and he's saying it is written, the message in the graphe or in the book. And now he's going to rhema it. He's going to declare it. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, when Jesus was approached by the enemy in his weak part, uh, moment, area, hunger at that point in time. It means he got out his iPhone and he Googled, when you're hungry, call on God or whatever you want to Google. And all of a sudden it led him and searched and searched and searched. And it found Deuteronomy 8, where the children of Israel were wandering in the desert and they are hungry because they have no food. And they cried out to God in heaven and heaven opened up and rained manna or bread down on them. And then so Jesus went to that place and what he did, he brought that scripture from Old Testament Deuteronomy into his now moment. And he said, it is written. In other words, he pulled out his rhema and he had poked the devil with it. Then he goes on to say, then the devil took him up to the holy city, to the highest point of the temple, and looking down where all the people were gathered, he said, throw yourself off of this and land like Superman does on the ground. And everybody say, wow, he really is the son of God. And then Jesus looked at him and said, no. He looked for thought for a second. He says, no, it is written that, that you, don't, you don't tempt me. What does it say right here? He took him up to the highest point of the temple, and verse, next verse, said to him right here, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. He shall give the angels charge of you. Okay, in their hands, that shall keep you. Okay, go on, the next one. Come on. One more, one more. All right, there we go. Okay, Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What did he do? He got his iPhone out, come on, or his Android, or whatever your preference is, and he Googled what to do when, the te- when the, he's tempted in that moment, and he found a verse of scripture in Deuteronomy again that says, let me read it for you. It says that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written. So he went back to the graphe, if you will. He found the logos for his situation, and then he pulled it out as a rhema, and he poked the devil with it. So the devil, not learning his lesson, because it takes him a few times, went a third time, took him up to the highest mountain, said, see all the kingdoms of the world. If you bow down and worship me, these will all be yours. And then so, the, so Jesus got his iPhone out, looked up the definition of worship and said, no, I can't worship anybody but God. So he Googled that. And all of a sudden, 1 Samuel 7 comes up the scripture that says, you shall not have any other gods before me. And so he went back to the graphe and got the logos of his situation and pulled out the rhema and poked the devil with it. And finally, the devil left. The devil left. Isn't that amazing? That's what's supposed to happen when you use the rhema. It's the sword of the spirit. 
if Jesus, the living word, needed to use the written word to deal with the enemy of the word, then how much more you and I who have written no word need to use that same word on the enemy of the word? So Jesus reaches back into the graphe of the Old Testament because he's now in the New Testament and he finds the logos for his situation, most uh, three different situations. Let me tell you this, there's a logos for every situation you find yourself in. And then he brings out the rhema. He speaks it out. Three times the devil couldn't handle it anymore. Three different subjects. He didn't just open the Bible up and know what it says. He opened up the Bible to say what it said. See, the devil couldn't handle the rhema cutting him, so he was gone. And some of us, some of us, some of us wonder why the devil won't leave us alone. Maybe, just maybe, it's because he knows you're never going to say it is written. Just maybe. Why, why, would, why, why would he leave you alone? If you're not pulling out the rhema, the only offensive weapon you have, the only thing he fears, if you're not pulling out the rhema that it is written, why would he leave you alone? So he's after you. Maybe it's because you're not saying it is written. He knows we're going to tell him what everyone else is saying. I mean, he knows we're going to tell him what we Googled on the internet. He knows we're going to tell him what our friends have been telling us. He knows what we're going to tell him what the last self-help book told us. He knows we're going to tell him what CNN and Fox News told us or Hollywood stars. He knows that. So he doesn't fear you. He'll hang out with you all day. Why? Because he knows you're not going to pull out the it is written. I think we need to change that. I think we need to use the tool the weapon that was given us and changed that. He knows you'll not use the only tool the Spirit gives you to use in the Spirit realm. But I want to say not here. Not this church. Not this people. Not this pastor. We are going to use the Word of God. We are going to use the rhema as God intended. And we are going to declare things in the Spirit and drive the enemy out. We're going to drive them out of our marriages. We're going to drive them out of our families. We're going to drive them out of our finances. We're going to drive them out of our relationships. We're going to drive them out of our bodies. We're going to drive them out of our minds. We're going to drive the enemy out, but it's going to take you and I taking the graphe, opening it up, getting a logos word for the situation that you're finding yourself in, and then pull out a rhema and go rhema on him and drive him away and drive him out of your situation, your circumstance. And this is a church that believes in the power of the word of God being spoken into our situations. We're going to declare things we've never declared. We're going to say things we've never said, and then we're going to see things we've never seen because of it, because the devil can't stand it is written. That's 2021. Well, pastor, what are we going to do in 2021? We're going to rhyme with the devil all day long is what we're going to do. We're going to drive them out. And I don't care if you think that that's weird or goofy or spooky. It's the truth. It's the truth. Well, that's just not normal. Well, we're not normal. Well, that's weird. Well, yeah, some of you are, <laughs> but it's truth. Amen. It's the word of God and the word works. So in 2021, we're going to see with our eyes wide open, the power of the word of God, the declared spoken word of God in our situations. Amen. That's what I believe. That's what I'm believing for. So get your graphe. I don't care if it's digital or paper, get your graphe out, spend time in your graphe. So it becomes logos to you into your situations. You can find in every situation you're facing, you can open up your graphe and you can find a Logos word for you. 
and then get it and declare it into your situation and use the weapon the way God intended to drive out the enemy from every area of your life. We gotta spend time, we gotta get, we gotta spend time in this word, church. We gotta spend time in this word so it becomes a logos to us so we can pull it out when the enemy's in our face. And for some of you, he's been after you for a long time. He's been after your marriage. He's been after your family. He's been after your adult children. Keep standing. Pull out the rhema in those situations. Your mind that you just the chaos and you can't seem to find peace. Get in and get the get the graphe out and find the logos for what it says in your mind. What God has said so intense for your mind and speak that over your life. Rhema that over your life. And keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Here's what I know. God is a good and faithful God. And he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit through the spoken word. So let's use it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today in wrapping this up today and wrapping up this series was to help us understand, open our eyes to the reality of what's really happening around about us. Not so we live in fear, think it's weird, spooky, goofy, but so we can take our place and position of victory and authority, which Jesus has already won. But then we need to be wise in the evil day. And we need to arm ourselves to be able to stand because the enemy wants to take back the ground that Jesus has won. So we can't let him. We can't give it to him. We just stand our ground with the word of God and find in those situations what the logos word is, what the message is, what the word says about it, and then speak it out, declare it out. Every single day, we should rhema the word of God every single day. We should rhema when we first get up. We should rhema throughout the course of our day. And we should rhema before we go to bed and not give the enemy any opportunity or moment to come in, find a way in. But especially in the evil day. And that moment where he's pressing the attack, get your sword out and push him back. Father, I just thank you for this moment in time. I pray that, Lord, that this becomes a logos. The Lord, as we looked into the graphe today, Father God, in your word in Ephesians, Father, we looked at it, Lord, in Genesis, we looked at it in Matthew, we looked at it in Hebrews, Father God, I believe and pray that in there, Father God, at some point it became logos to us, it, the light came on, Father God, we understand that the Holy Spirit was revealed to us, Father God, and now we've committed, Lord, to arm ourselves with the word of God, and we'll take the logos of today, Father God, and we'll apply it, we'll, we'll use the rhema of it, Father God, in our situation, in our lives, and we'll see your word, your power be released Father God, to turn those things around in Jesus' name. Father, it begins with a relationship with you. We cannot wield the sword of the Spirit if we do not have a relationship with the Spirit which comes through Jesus Christ. So Father God, every single one of us need to call upon you to be saved. So Father God, we cannot operate in this way that we just discussed without you being our Lord and Savior. You are the living word, the word that has become flesh and you've come for all mankind. All we have to do, Father God, is invite you in, invite you into our life, invite you into our world, Father God, and then you come in and change us. Where old things are passed away, all things become new. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.